Good morning. There's two Bible readings today, both from Matthew. First one's um, chapter 6, 5 to 15. And the second one is in chapter 18. So firstly, Matthew 6, uh, 5 to 15, it's um, Jesus is speaking. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh, the second passage is Matthew 18, starting at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Well, good morning, everyone. As we come to look at God's word this morning, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it talks to our hearts and our minds and our souls 
And we pray that you will guide us and lead us in all truth this morning through your Holy Spirit. Amen. We come to our uh, sixth uh, study of uh, the Lord's Prayer this morning. Uh, Forgive us our debts, as it says. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we examine the Lord's Prayer, this second great instruction on how we ought to be praying concerning ourselves, this petition is explicitly prayer, explicit prayer for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts and also for a forgiving spirit, as it says, as we forgive our debtors. Now, how we recite this phrase usually depends on uh, what English-speaking Christian tradition you were brought up in, rather than a Bible translation that you used. Uh, For those who were uh, raised in the Presbyterian or Reformed tradition, we're more likely to say debts. Those who come from the Anglican or Methodist or Roman Catholic traditions are more likely to say trespasses. And those who are influenced by the modern evangelical movements, we're likely to say sins. There's the three different ways of saying it, but when we come down to it, it is still the same Greek word. We also need to note that in the Bible, in Hebrew, there are six different nouns and three different verbs that are used to describe sin. And in Greek, There are five nouns, five adjectives, and three verbs that describe sin. For those that did evil in sight of the Lord, when we transgress, he died for our iniquities, sins, debts, trespasses. And so we see there are different words that we lump in with that simple simple English word, sin. It's something we need to look at and discover. We've already known that the first three uh, petitions relate to God as our Father, and the last four focus on our needs as God's children. And of those seven, the matter of forgiveness is in such importance It's the only one which the Lord later took time to re-emphasise and develop in a deeper way, and that's in verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. And so we've got two words in in these um, four verses. In verse 12, of philimia, which means debt. And in verse 14, uh, paraaptum, or paraaptumora, which means trespasses. In these verses, Jesus wants his disciples and us to understand sin 
in both the sense of owing a debt and in the sense of trespassing into territory where we don't belong. It's most important because at least superficially, men and women in our hedonistic, secular society don't worry about their sin very much. But deep down, it's one of the deepest human needs, isn't it? There was an old cartoon in a newspaper once where a psychologist was listening to a patient. And he said, Mr. Smith, I think I can explain your feelings of guilt. You are guilty. Deep down inside of us, there is that feeling of guilt. And it's hard to shake. Modern psychology will help us to try and understand those feelings of guilt. And therefore, we'll be able to dismiss that feeling, to move on. But only in Christianity, where it helps someone not only to understand that feeling of guilt, but now to be delivered from that guilt. And rather than <clears throat> dismiss the feeling, to overcome the feeling. In our model of prayer, after we've asked God for uh, provision, we ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness follows give. And I want us to note the word and. And links the two, quest the two um, requests. For daily bread, with the request of daily forgiveness. And if I can ask, I don't know if you have to go to session, but could you put the word and back in that phrase on the uh, Lord's Prayer? They do link it together. For there's a daily request for, for food, for daily bread, and for daily forgiveness. In that way, when we think of our daily our need for food, we also think of our need for forgiveness. Many of us are conscious of our daily need for food, but sometimes we can be unconscious of our daily need for forgiveness. And it is a prayer for forgiveness. If we are sincere when we pray, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins, then we're openly admitting ourselves as guilty of wrongdoing, of sin. Just like in the kids' song, there are sinners in, in this congregation, over there, over there and over here. We are sinful. We have not yet been made perfect. John, uh, 1 John 1, 8-9 tells us, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we can confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christians can and do still sin and thus stand in need of daily confession and forgiveness. I once worked with a guy 
who would do whatever he liked during the week. And he thought as long as he could make it to church on the Sunday, he'd be right. But it doesn't work that way. It's daily bread and daily forgiveness. When we acknowledge our sinfulness, we echo the words of David in Psalm 51, where he says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. The great King David realised that he needed to be cleansed daily. He needed that upright, steadfast spirit to be renewed daily. And it needs to be remembered that this is a, a family of God prayer. This is for the sons and daughters of God. It just doesn't deal with the sins of unbelievers. It doesn't deal with our standing before God, which was established at salvation, which cannot be affected. It is not salvation by works, but it concerns the sins of the children of God and how that hampers our fellowship with the Father. No non-Christian ever receives forgiveness from God on the basis of claiming to forgive someone else. And although we receive forgiveness when we are saved, we will never be able to fully enjoy the cleansing heart in our Christian walk unless we are ready to extend that free grace to those who offend us. So it's a prayer also for a forgiving spirit. There are basically three attitudes associated with extending forgiveness to others. The first is, I can't. I can't forgive that person. Jesus did not say his, to his disciples, pray, Lord, forgive me my trespasses and I will try to forgive others who've wronged me. No, he told them they had have to forgive others before they could claim their own forgiveness. Sometimes we excuse our lack of forgiveness on the grounds that the person who has wronged us doesn't deserve our forgiveness. But the truth is, no one has ever wronged us like we have wronged God. We see it in the story that was read out of the um, unforgiving servant. The king came to settle accounts. He forgave a huge debt to the first servant. And we know that then the, that servant went to his fellow servant and demanded payment and threw him in jail until he could pay. The others saw that this wasn't right and they 
ran to the king and told them what had happened. And the king, in his anger, I've given you, forgiven you so much. Shouldn't you show the same gratitude, the same mercy to others? And so he threw him in jail. And these words, so my heavenly father will also do to you, each of you, if from his heart he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. The point is that, yes, we can marvel at how much the first servant could be so unforgiving to his fellow servant. After being let off so much debt. But yet he had this unforgiveness in his own heart. Let me try and explain that a bit further. In one of my previous parishes, I was uh, counselling this one man. And as we were talking, he said, I know I'm a Christian, but my business partner once did something so awful to me, something that I just cannot forgive. This gentleman was in his 70s. This slight, this something so terrible happened 40 years. He'd been carrying this burden for 40 years. I asked him, are you sure you can't forgive him? He maintained that he really tried to forgive this man but was unable to do so. And as we were continuing to talking, I said, you know, I've found we've often used the words can't and what we really mean is won't. Isn't it possible that you are saying that I can't forgive him is that you won't forgive him? And if it's really true that you can't forgive this man, then maybe the Lord really hasn't forgiven you either. Maybe you're kidding yourself about being a disciple or being a Christian. Now, that was a pretty harsh statement, and it shook him. He thought about it. He thought about it. And then his eyes met mine and I guess he said, I guess you're right. I guess I haven't experienced the full forgiveness of God. A couple of weeks later, I saw this man come into church. There was something different about him. He walked a bit taller. He had a, a smile on his face. Beaming, he came up to me and said, I've done it. I've done it. I've forgiven this man. And God has taken away that burden of 40 years. You see, God's grace comes into our heart when we forgive. And we demonstrate whether we've been truly forgiven by how we forgive. The bottom line is if you refuse to forgive, there can only be one reason. 
and that we've never really received the grace of God and understanding that we are truly forgiven our sins and our debts. When John Wesley served as a missionary in, the, in America, he had a difficult time with one general called James Olgenthorpe. The general was known for his pride and his harshness. And one time the general declared, I never forget, sorry, I never forgive. To which Wesley replied, then sir, I hope you never sin. Barclay paraphrases this uh, section. It says, forgive us our sins in proportion as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Or Father, forgive my sins only to the extent I am willing to forgive those who have sinned against me. This is a hard teaching. If we want to enjoy the forgiveness of God, we've got to have a forgiving heart. If we refuse to forgive this part of the Lord's Prayer, well, it becomes a curse. What we're really praying is, well, I beseech you, Lord, deal with me as I deal with my neighbour. He's been ungrateful to me. And for the hundredth time, yet I cannot overlook his ingratitude. Deal with me, Lord, as I deal with him. It's a hard teaching. Then there is the third attitude. The attitude of I am willing. Corrie ten Boom shares about her experience in extending forgiveness in her book, The Hiding Place. She wrote, it was a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had been the guard at the shower room in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. <clears throat> and suddenly, it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, the pain on my sister's face. He came up to me in the church as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. He said, how grateful I am for your message, Fraulein. He said, to think that you say he has washed away my sins. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people to the, of the need to forgive, I kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled up within me, I saw the sin in them. Jesus had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. 
I struggled to raise my hand, but I couldn't. I felt nothing. Not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. But give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. And while in my heart it sprang a love for this stranger, it almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not our forgiveness anymore when we do good things that the world hinges upon, but it is his. We are told to love our enemies. He gives, along with that command, the love itself. Friends, no one can reasonably imagine what she would have gone through. Nor can we imagine themselves being the object of divine forgiveness, who is deliberately and habitually forgiving towards our fellow man. It's tough. It's tough. So when we pray, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, look deep into yourself. Are you harboring any forgiveness, unforgiveness in your heart? Maybe someone here, someone at work, at school or college. Maybe last week, maybe 40 years ago. Are you harboring unforgiveness in your heart? Are there any people that you need to forgive? Come to him. Pray, Father, forgive me as I forgive others. Bring it before God and let his overwhelming love and forgiveness that he has for you flush your heart, cleanse your heart, revive in me an upright spirit. Go, go in his name and in his strength to forgive others. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we so often want you to skip over our sinfulness. But we pray that you would make it a central thing in our hearts to understand to see how much we've been forgiven, but how much we can miss out on the joy of life, harboring evil thoughts against someone else. How much of a curse it is, a burden it is upon us. Help us to truly understand that. Help us to go not in our own strength, but in your strength. Out into a world that hates you.
and show forgiveness, to show love, compassion and mercy to those who are in our life. <clears throat> Help us and guide us, O oh Lord, so that we can come before you to receive your grace, your mercy and your blessings as we have truly forgiven others. Amen.